Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right. Welcome to the special edition of the Old Grad Podcast. One of the stated objectives in the Old Grad Podcast is to remember our fallen classmates. This year for Memorial Day, I've compiled several different stories of our fallen classmates. This first clip is with Colonel Jeff Settle, remembering his last time that he met with Bill Hecker. Their backyards adjoined one another, and they got a chance to spend some time uh, on a Sunday afternoon uh, and talking about the Army, sharing a beer, and sharing a bunch of old stories. So have a listen to Jeff Settle. You know, that I know, and um, yeah, great guy. The, the Bill Hacker story, it's just, and Bill was such you know, a good guy. It was, it was an interesting time, and I don't want to, you know, take the conversation down this way too soon, but it, um, it, it was interesting. I, I'd just done a SAMS tour, you know, so I was at CORE. And, uh, and so I was getting ready to go down to 1st Cav Division to be an XO, and uh, Bill was already in 4th Infantry Division, okay? So, but we shared backyards in Harper Heights. So our kids, you know, we passed the kids over the fence, and they played with each other, and, you know, the kids were hanging out, and Susan and Rochelle, Susan, my wife, and then Rochelle, you know, they'd talk, we'd go over, you know, a couple times for dinner. But one time, uh, I spent, you know, I, to scratch whatever itch I had, I was putting up a shed in my backyard, you know, this big, massive shed, and, you know, poured the concrete, did all this other stuff, and I'm just busting my hind end for this thing for months. You know, I'm just not getting it done quickly at all. And I'm out there on top of the, you know, the shed putting in shingles and I'm pounding in shingles up there and I'm just sweating myself. And Bill's out back playing, you know, with his kids because he's getting ready Throwing to play. a baseball, I'm sure. Yeah, he was getting ready to deploy, you know, but he was out there with the kids. And Rochelle goes, I need to go give Jeff a hand. He needs some help or whatever it was. So Bill just, he goes back to the house, grabs two beers, it comes over, it's like, hey, you need a beer? I'm like, that's all I needed, man. You know, and it was just, it was a great memory because I just remember sitting on top of that roof and I'm looking down and he's hanging out at the fence and we're just, just talking. You know, we're talking baseball, we're talking, you know, you know, units, we're talking army, we're talking everything. Edgar Allan uh, Poe, Edgar Allan Poe? I don't remember that. It was just, I'm sure it did, probably did. But he was, it was, uh, it was just a good conversation. It was just, it was, uh, it was sad because, I mean, I never saw him again. You know, and it was just that, that's what, yeah, that's what broke our heart, you know, and of course we were getting ready to deploy, we were, you know, first cab was going in after that, and it was hard uh, for my kids as well, so I made, that just kind of made all those deployments kind of hard, but, mm. you know, what, Bill was just, just a great guy, you know, he's just in the neighborhood, and of course he was just, we were all majors at the time living that life, but it was hard, it was stressful, but uh, I just remember sharing that beer, you know, with him, it was just a good, you know, good memory to have of him. And they live in our memories, right? All yeah. of our fallen classmates, yeah. so, what other... This next story is with Ted Russ remembering Tommy McTeague while they were stationed together at OBC for Aviation OBC and the summer that they spent, the time that they spent uh, in Panama City. And then a bunch of us, about 10 of us, rented a place in Panama City Beach for the year. Um, and... So, so spent every weekend there. How long? Was, how yes. how long? How long into flight school do you guys realize 
we're close enough to Panama City that we can rent the place and have like our own. Like, is it like a few months in, or did somebody like do their research before they got down there and said, "Hey, we're getting this thing before we even show yeah. up." It was like a nanosecond, as I recall. Like, um, I remember having a very serious war council. It came up, "Hey guys, you realize, you know, I found a sweet pad. It's a one-one. <laughs> the carpet's only ten years old. You know." <laughs> And it's only a thousand dollars. If we all chip in a hundred bucks a month, we can be players down in Panama. It was ridiculous. Really, it was great. It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of fond memories. You know, I know you and I talked. A lot of fond memories of uh, Tommy McTeague down there in that time. Right. Um, yeah, because he was such a uh, he. He was such a God. What's the, I don't even know the word. But he was just so confident and happy. At, and you would mm-hmm. walk around the beach, you know, in just his bathing suit, but but he'd wear a red bandana on his hat, like do-rag style. Right. Uh, and he'd have, he'd have, like, a beer in his hand. He'd walk by girls and say, hey, Tommy McTeague, gun pilot. <laughs> you know, he, was, he was going through the, he was flying Cobras, Cobras, you know. Right. Yeah, Tommy McTeague, gun pilot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good time. John Keenan was telling me a story about him singing uh, Born to Run. That he was actually a singer. I, I somehow I kind of remember this, but I don't know if that when we were cadets or if, like he he could actually sing. I think Tommy McTeague. Yeah, I can't vouch for that, but yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Flight school. This next clip is of Holly West remembering her company mate Dave Reardon, who was an avid football fan, and they shared their passion for football, for football together and cheering on the team. Dave Reardon, um, and Dave Reardon was our classmate. He died of Hodgkin's disease in 1994, and Dave was the biggest football fan, biggest Army football fan. He was a swimmer too, right? He was a swimmer. Mm-hmm. But he was a huge football fan. In fact, when he was in remission, waiting to kind of get his platoon when he was out at El Paso, he was, that was back when all of the major posts had football teams, and Dave was doing the play-by-play commentary mm-hmm. for the El Paso football team. He did play-by-play commentary for our B2 won the, the brigade championship my senior year, and Dave mm-hmm. would go down there. Um, Dave was just this huge football fan, and his whole um, his motto, he and Mike Pace and I would kind of sit um, close to each other and we would hold up our fists and say, I got to believe, you got to believe, you got to believe. So when it would come to these different points, we would all do that. And um, I still remember right before he passed away, which was about a month before Mark and I got married, I was in Germany. I kind of got a word. Um, my mom called me and said, Holly, Neil Cooper called. Neil was Dave's best friend. And Neil was in medical school at the time. And so Neil had actually gone to Walter Reed and was actually kind of the liaison between Dave's parents yeah. and and the doctors because they mm-hmm. would kind of tell Neil what was going on mm. and then Neil would kind of translate it you know and just kind of put it in la- yeah but Neil's Neil's in your company as well yeah okay Neil retired um as a hand surgeon actually and um so anyway I remember my mom said Neil called and and said that Dave had taken a turn for the worse and I was on my way to Hohenfels and so when I got down to Hohenfels, my brigade commander, thank God, was a West Point graduate. And I got in there and I just kind of said, sir, 
you know, I've got a company mate, one of my best friends, who I just got this word, and without any questions, this is the power of the laundry line, without any questions, anything, he goes, you go use my phone. So this is back now in 1994, mm -hmm. where there was no cell phones, and there was, he had the phone that he could call, and he said, you go use my phone. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to go to the pay phones or anything, so I remember going in and using his phone, and I was able to call Dave's, um, Dave's room, and I, he could barely speak at that point, but I was kind of talking, mm -hmm. and it was right before Army Navy, and um, I kind of said, Dave, you got to believe, you think we're going to win. I mean, I think it literally was maybe the week before Army Navy, or Army Navy week, and I said, Dave, you got to believe, and that was the last thing I remember him saying was, you got to believe, and, um, and then I was, it was like two days later, I think, that he passed away. So he was in remission, because um, he was diagnosed our first year, I think, right, was, right at the end. He was diagnosed at the end of our, our Cal year, actually, in his uh, commissioning physical. And, you know, he always had that, that protruding sternum, and so when he right. went in for his commissioning physical, um, I remember him coming back saying, ah, oh, they found something, you know, he used to call it his fin, because he mm -hmm. was a good swimmer, so he'd be right. like, oh, this thing, it makes me swim faster. He's like, they found something. I gotta go back in for more testing. Right. And I'm like, you're worried. He's like, no, it's stupid. And it stirred up. It was Hodgkin's. And so that summer, between our junior and senior year, he went down. They took out his spleen and took out a bunch of lymph nodes. And then, and this is what was remarkable. Probably a lot of people don't know this. So basically, they told him that he wasn't gonna graduate with us. Mm -hmm. And Dave was like, I want to. I've got to graduate with my class. And so his um, first semester. He went in uh, right before classes started, and he went to all of his instructors and said, look, this is the deal. I'm getting chemotherapy on Monday and Tuesday down at Walter Reed. I'm going to be sick as a dog, but I'm going to drive back on wow. Wednesday. Thursday, I can come to class, and Friday, I can come to class. So basically, I only go to one day of class, and he goes, on Friday, I can do whatever makeup or Saturday morning. And so he did that all the way through the end of October. And um, and so he would just come up on Thursday and Friday, and he'd come to the football games. And so he was sick, and then he'd go back on Sunday nights. And so by the mid to end of October, um, you know, they had kind of said, okay, you're cancer-free. He ended up, you know, being in remission and being very strong enough to commission. He got commissioned into air defense, took his APFD, and even played water polo in the spring. Mm. Um, and so he was great, and it was when he went back out to El Paso for his basic course. I think he had, in the middle of his basic course, or at, at the end of his basic course is when he was, it came back. And so he, he left, he had another surgery, and then he went back out, and when he was waiting to kind of gain strength to take over his platoon, he was doing the commentator and doing this other stuff, and then it came back a third time. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I, you know, he, he was one of our first classmates who passed. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I recall. I, I mean, I think we still do this, but for reunions, we send flowers to the family's houses. Yeah. And I remember, I think his sister or somebody wrote like how special that was that 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 they received those flowers that we remember them. And this is one of the reasons for this podcast too, is for yeah. us to you know tell these stories and remember yeah. these people that we we love so much. And so here's a neat story about, and I, Daisy's not here right now to go get him, but I had this stuffed bulldog. Mm -hmm. that it was a stuffed animal that I had gotten when I was a cadet, and I named him Coors. And Dave loved Coors. Dave would always come and steal Coors off of my desk, and I would come back to my room, and there'd be a ransom note saying, you know, I've gone, I like Dave better. I've gone mm -hmm. to study with Dave. You can 
get me, you know, I'll come back if you buy me a pizza or you do whatever. And so that was always kind of like this thing. Dave would always steal cores. And um, so when Dave got sick, I guess it was the last time uh, I sent him, I was at my basic course. So anyway, I sent him cores. And I said, uh. you know what? You keep cores. I said, he's got to watch over you. I said, you send him back to me when you think all is good. And so when we, um, Mark and I got married on New Year's Eve. And when we came back to the States on like December 23rd, December 26th. I had gone off doing stuff and I came back and my mom and dad were there and they kind of had tears in their eyes and I was like, what's going on? And they were like, and I saw Cora sitting on the table. So Dave had only been dead for about a month and I saw Cora sitting on the table. I'm like, where did he come from? And Dave's parents had come through and they had left a le letter and they had said, Dave said he, we need to make sure that Cora's got back. Oh man. Yeah. So now I still have Cora's. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This next clip is with John Keenan. That was during our very first Old Grad podcast episode. And he is remembering our classmate, Paul Haggerty, and also Tom McTeague. Five bucks or ten bucks, you could like go out for the night in Mexico, right? Yeah, 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 you could. Um, good God, I don't know how we didn't go blind. We <laughs> would start the evening once we crossed the bridge in an alley where they were doing uh, quarter shots at tequila. And um, so that's that was our pregame, and then we'd pay one price at a club and just pair it up. Um, it's a miracle we got back across the border in one piece a couple of those nights. Yeah. But, uh, so speaking of yeah, uh, great. You know, speaking of classmates, I mean, you mentioned Paul Haggerty. He was he was with you there at uh, at uh, at uh, ADA uh, uh, OBC. T tell me a little bit about about some of the things you did with him. Yeah. Well. We were in the same small group, so so I got to know him a bit, uh, real well actually. And um, he's he was one of those guys that uh, I, I actually, and at that age, you know, we were all pretty arrogant and uh, pretty confident. But he he was one of those few people I wanted to actually be more like. He just the way he carried himself. Uh, just the nicest guy and, and super talented in so many areas, and one of the most humble guys. And uh, you know, we would we would always, um, no matter how late we were out or tearing up Mexico on a Saturday night, we'd always run into each other uh, at church on Sunday, and often went to brunch. And um, yeah, just uh, as fine a guy as I ever met uh, in the army. And um, so yeah, we uh, you know his loss was a terrible loss. Um, he's just as nice a guy as as I had the pleasure to know. Yeah, just a good good dude. I mean, I, he was one of those guys too. He was like one degree of separation. I you know we we knew each other. We had a lot of good friends in common. I didn't know him that well, but interestingly, later on in life, I got to know the rest of the Haggerty family because I I now work uh, for his older sister Roseanne Haggerty and. Uh, she runs this nonprofit called Community Solutions, and she's like a world-renowned, like uh, amazing thought leader and just kick-ass person in, in ending homelessness and ending veteran homelessness. And and uh, so yeah. it's no surprise to me that that he comes from that same level of stock. I mean, just super humble, yeah. super smart. Um, although Absolutely. you 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 mentioned that Ags did four years of staff, though, right? He did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. He. Uh, I guess he and I were part of that elite group that 
helped make the top 95% of the class possible, um, which I guess to one degree or another, that's why a lot of us ended up in, in air defense. Um, but I don't regret it for a second. We, um, we had, we, we made anything fun down there. You know how in OBC you had the endless series of lectures. Yeah. Uh, we, we actually found a way to make those fun. Um, after just a few days, we identified those, you know, 10 or 12 people that every lecture were going to, one of them was going to ask a question. So I started putting their names in a hat. Guys would put a dollar in to draw a name, and if your name asked the first question, you kept pot. So that was like lunch money for the day. You went anywhere from 10 to $14 every lecture. So um, that actually made the lectures more interesting and fun. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I, I was just, I was at Fort. This clip is of Pete Gaudet remembering his company mate, Rusty Davidson. One of our stated, one of our stated intentions here at the Old Grad Podcast is to remember our fallen classmates. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's uh, part of the reason why we're having this. And, um, and so um, you have lost a fallen classmate from your company, right? Yeah. So tell me about, tell me about him. Absolutely. Um, Rusty Davidson, Dr. Rusty Davidson, love the guy. Incredibly brilliant, incredibly great guy. Uh, so close to them for so long. Um, and uh, yeah, he lost a battle with depression. I mean, if you think, you know, what, uh, what's wrong with the situation? It's like, okay, the guy is like running a hospital. Um, he's uh, got two beautiful daughters, wonderful wife. Everything looks like it's picture perfect from the outside, and uh, nobody knows that um, he's suffering from depression. And uh, and I was going to take my son uh, down to go fishing with him. And um, this is like ten years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that. It was two thousand nine, eight or nine. Yeah, I think it was nine because we there was a doctor here who knew him very very well. Yeah, that sounds right. 2009. So, uh, so yeah, I was emailing him back and forth with him, and he had a boat, and he was an avid outdoorsman, one of the best uh, fishermen and hunters that I knew. So I was like, I gotta take my son for his first fishing trip. We're going with Rusty. He's the guy. So he had a boat at the time uh, in Charleston. We were gonna go down, hop on his boat, go offshore, like 50 miles, because he knew exactly where the schools of fish were and everything. I mean, he knew everything. So. Uh, so I was like, all right, great. And uh, all of a sudden, actually, it was a week and a half before we were supposed to go down there. So you were playing. You were getting all yeah, the plans. Yeah, we had the plans. Like, I, had the hotel, I had the hotel room. I had everything. Mm. Uh, it was all set up. And it was like, cool, can't wait to see you, brother. And, it's all and he was great. like, absolutely, can't wait. Yeah, exactly. Everything was like, thumbs up. We're and going. a week and a half before you go. A week and a half, 7.30 in the morning. Cool, I get a cool. phone call. And that's Leanne, his wife. And she's like, Peter, uh, Pete, Rusty's not with us anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's not with us anymore. He's like, he took his life. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I'm like, no, it's not Rusty. It's like, I'm coming down to see him. So, uh, so Debbie and I hopped on a flight, went down there right away. Um, and, uh, you know, mourned and, um, and wake and burial and everything. And then uh, we were coming back. That's when Debbie said, "Well, you got to cancel the cancel your trip with Andrew." And I said, um, "I don't think so. I don't think I'm supposed to do that." You know, so I told Andrew, "This is going to be a great trip. I got to try and make it a great trip for him." So 
I said, I'm gonna try and try and get the mission accomplished, you know. So I took Andrew down there and this uh, in the same place. Same place, same hotel. over, everything's over, and you go down to where his place Where was. Rusty and I made arrangements to the same hotel room that was booked and everything wow. was all. So I didn't change a thing to the trip, except for, you know, obviously I couldn't go out on Rusty boat. Um, and uh, so I had to get, I was trying to get a charter, and that was uh, not going nowhere fast. I kept calling around, calling around. Well, just before boarding the plane, I get a call. Um, and they say, hey, uh, we got a charter for you. So it's like right at the buzzer, great news. Okay, we got a charter boat. So we go there, we show up, uh, we get on the boat, go out to the harbor. And uh, the first weird thing that happens is um, is Andrew starts catching all these fish. And, <laughs> and, and nobody else and is nobody catching all Exactly, yeah. exactly. Nobody else. Andrew's catching all the fish. And I'm like, start to laugh. And I'm like, and the guy's like, man, I'm out here, you know, 17 years. 17 years he was out there. And he's like, I always catch fish. He's like, I'm not catching anything, and your son's catching it. So I'm laughing. I was like, ah, I think maybe somebody's with us. <laughs> and uh, then, all of a sudden, clouds come in in the harbor. Uh, black clouds. Never seen anything like it. Never will. And, uh, and everyone's kind of like, holy crap, it's a storm coming in. And there's a, um, a tornado, which is called a water spout, which I didn't even know what a water spout was. And the guy's like, we got to get out of here. This is... And then all of a sudden, I started having the chills up and down my spine. I'm like, no, don't worry. I think, uh, and he's looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, but sure enough, the, the thing's coming and the water spout keeps, keeps going. Oh my gosh. And uh, the water spout stops and I have it on video. And it's like, holy cow. It's, uh, and then it stops and it's going and then pff, it stops. And then. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And then uh, we go back um, and, I, and we go to the, the room and I'm on the, uh, the deck, the hotel room. And there's no birds or anything around. It's like a swamp in the back. And all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, a dove comes down and lands right in front of me and is staring at me. <laughs> this and I'm like, is it gonna fly away? Is it gonna? It's just like weird, strange stuff. Um, and then, last but not least, going back on the plane, uh, flying home, um, a stewardess comes up to me and says, "I'm sorry, sir, but does would your son like a frog?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm sorry, I don't think I heard you correctly." It sounded like you said, would well, you're still like a frog? And uh, he's like, yes, that's what I said. I'm like, what do you mean? We're on an airplane. What do you mean we're, we're like a frog? He's like, well, we found a frog in the back of the airplane. We thought your son might like a frog. And, and I'm looking around, and I was like, kids around. I'm like, why are you asking me? And now I go to Andrew. I was like, would you like a frog? He's like, yeah, I'd love a frog. <laughs> so so uh, he gets the frog, and we took the frog home and let it out on the pond. And uh, it was like, just... A surreal experience of that that uh, that trip of um, you know, what was going on. So this loss, this experience, profoundly affected you. Absolutely, I I think about Rusty all the time. You know, well, I think about Rusty. I think about Muth. I think about Tim. I've lost three close friends to uh, to suicide. So I hate suicide worse than anybody you know. Um, so this has caused you to actually put a lot of your personal time and financial resources toward. Getting getting resources to people that are in need, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm blessed to be able to work with uh, great guys like Joe Geraci and uh, and uh, lots of others who are trying to accomplish the same mission to say, hey, let's treat mental illness like we treat Al Qaeda and uh, ISIS and, and all the enemies of our country uh, because it is an enemy. You know, mental illness is uh, something that needs to be talked about, something that needs to be uh, attacked. 
Um, and uh, we need to you know, rally the troops and, and make sure that we put the resources in place that we don't have to have a Rusty. I mean, Dr. Rusty Davidson, he was... He I used, everything. Yeah, I used to call him Jesus because he was uh, making people walk that were paralyzed. He would do spinal surgery. He's one of the best spinal surgeons in the Army, if not the nation. And he would actually go in and make paralyzed people walk. So Someone just put in, Vince Lindemeyer just wrote in and said, Rusty was the most handsome Southern gentleman in our class. He was on my team handball team. Uh, I played really? team handball my... I'm getting chills, yeah. It is kind of no. He was. I played team handball my freshman year, and Rusty. That's how I knew him because he was on. Um, he was on my team handball too. One of them was on the men's team. But. He was amazing. He was. He was. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that—that's what happens. Is it's perfection, and then all of a sudden, you know, you realize that he's suffering quietly, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I thought for many years, what what could I have done wrong, and you know, and, and learning more through the years. Uh, with, with Joe and a lot of other professionals to say, look, there's only so much you can do, but it's preemptive, proactive, and you gotta figure out how, how can we ask the next Dr. Rusty Davidson, hey, you doing okay? You know, are you having depression problems or anything else? How do we, how do we make sure we're, we're taking, you know, we're doing the cooperate and graduate mentality and we're all, you know, pulling for each other and uh, make sure we're all, you know, give me an up kind mm -hmm. of thing. Which I would have loved if I had the opportunity to go back and say it to Rusty and say, "Hey, how are you doing, brother?" You know? So you mentioned Joe a few times. Joe's class of class of '98, right? This next clip is Mark West remembering our classmate Andy Clements. Andy was one of those guys that had a lot of experience, prior service, and was a real leader among his peers and was very, very caring, as Mark will remember in this particular story. Uh, Andy, Andy Clements, um, I mean, Andy was a prior service guy, and just one of those guys everybody looked up to. I mean, I think a lot of the prior service guys, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have that reputation as being squared away, and Andy was certainly uh, one of those guys in our company who was squared away, but, you know, so, sometimes you run across those guys who you know, look down at the cadets like, you know, you know, what the hell, you know, we, we don't want anything to do with you. But Andy was not that way at all. I mean, Andy, mm -hmm. Andy embraced all of us guys who really had no idea what we were doing and, uh, you know, really helped us along and was always there for us. I mean, that that's really probably the best way to describe Andy um, was that he was always in a great mood and, and always there. Uh, to help anybody in need, mm -hmm. and uh, and yeah, we certainly miss him to this day. He was actually in my Buckner platoon as well with Dan Shackleton and okay. uh, and yeah. a few others, and uh, so I I remember him being like the first one down the slide for life, the first one like he yeah. had like zero yeah. fear. I no, I, zero. I I ten, I think he was like I don't think I think he was like I think he was an infantryman. I think he I don't think he was you know like. Um, he may have been like in the Ranger Battalion. Yeah, I think Andy, for me personally, I think he, he, he I think he recognized, I was, trust me, I, I wanted to quit West Point every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I struggled academically, mm -hmm. um, you know, homesickness, all that stuff that a lot of guys go through. And I think he, he, he recognized that. And he was, he would come by my room every now and then and, and uh, would like leave a note or I had like a little, like a little pumpkin. Mm -hmm. It was weird, and he would, he would like do squishy, squishy. I mean, he would do things. All the eight four. Yes. Yeah. And but he would do that to me to try to cheer me up, mm -hmm. you know, because I think he recognized 
that I was in a bad place, you know, right. and and that was just the kind of guy he was, mm-hmm. and uh, I will always appreciate that about him. And and of course, the day when we found out that you know his tragic death was um, unbelievable. I I couldn't. Um, I was you know, I, I was, was on active yeah. duty when that happened. Yeah. I remember because I was yeah. that was the year that I was mobilized. It was right after it was like. 2002, I think, did that happen? Yeah. It must have been 2003. Yeah, yeah I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so what a f- it's just a freak, freak. situation. Yeah, yeah. You know? going across a bridge. And, and the bridge gets hit, hit by a barge. barge. Yeah. yeah, was hit by a barge. And I mean, I was going, I mean, every time I go across a bridge today, I swear to God, I, I think, think, I think of Andy. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, to think that he, yeah. you know, met his maker. Going across Co- the driving bridge. from California to Virginia, right? With, with, with the company's, yeah, uh, with, with, with the family's dog, and right? And he'd already, he'd already, he'd already sent his family. He had already sent his family ahead, yeah, to go to, to Virginia to, yeah. to settle the house. He, he's like, "Hey, I'll drive the, I'll drive the U-Haul, right? And I'll bring the the pets, and I'll meet you there." Mm. And you know, to to be on that bridge on that day, it just still to this at that day, moment. At yeah. that moment, still, it's just like you got to be kidding me. And, and I think and, what was uh, so interesting is we were going back to A four and B two. So when when Dave died in ninety four, and then Andy, it was close to ten years later, not quite ten years later. I mean, Mark and I each knew them yeah. so mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave. Yeah, that was what was so interesting is. Um, when we each lost someone in our company, but we each knew them. Andy had gone on all the spring breaks with the A4, so therefore I knew him and I had my stories. I've got all my pictures from Bahamas and Cancuns with Andy. Um, so I had a relationship with Andy, even though he was an A4, and Mark right. had a relationship. So yeah, it, both of those really touched us both. Yeah. They lived through our stories, though. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. This next clip is of our classmate Kim Evans remembering her late husband and also our classmate Kenny Evans. It was it was in Yearling Year, uh, in Buck in Buckner when you first met Ken, right? Yes, actually, Ken was um, as well, um, also in my platoon, and so we got to know each other, and um, that was where I think he began to have interest in me, and I was kind of not even aware of it for a long long time. It was actually Charlene Mills who um, kind of did the hey girl <laughs> you know this guy is trying to get your attention and I was like oh um so I remember having a couple of conversations like that but um no we I would say that the courtship actually started in Buster. um probably one of the, the funniest memories I have was um one of the first times that we so to speak went out of course cadet dates were um you know <laughs> pretty interesting as far as what a cadet date was but um we took one of the canoes out on the lake and uh, I know I was terrified the whole time because I only had the one gym alpha that was clean and I had my only good running shoes on and I didn't want to get them wet. Um, I was adamant about that. And so Ken, and for those that knew Ken, I mean, this was such a Ken move. Uh, he stood up in the canoe in the middle of the lake just to show me how totally sturdy it was. He began to rock the canoe and sure enough, he tipped the whole thing over, putting us both in the water. So needless to say, I didn't talk to him for about two days after that because my shoes were soaking wet. And I was trying to figure out how do we get this canoe out of here? But it ended up being something that we could laugh about, you know, in years to come. Um, Mm -hmm. Because certainly life throws you a lot more than just, um, you know, wet clothes and and a turned over canoe. But that was a Ken move without a doubt. That's funny. It it sounds like he was like a peacock preening his his, uh, feathers, right? Trying to, trying to like... uh trying to make a story so so yeah did, did, he, he was funny 
Did you start dating then during Buckner? Um, it was towards the end of Buckner that, yeah, then we started um, to date. Um, and so we started dating um, uh, after that summer. And then um, that was probably about a year later that he um, actually proposed um, to me, which um, was, during Cal I year. Mean, that was, so in Cal year. Yeah. So right before, actually it was during Cal year, you're right, right at the beginning. Um, and he proposed to me, I remember this vividly as well. We were in the basement of Pershing Barracks and we were covered with mud because we'd just come back from intramurals. There was a dead cockroach right next to us on the floor and he proposed to me. And I don't know necessarily what, yeah, (laughs) super romantic. Again, another Ken move, but, um, I don't remember what caused him to pick that moment, but whatever reason he did. And, so certainly life was going to change, you know, after that. Well, but it was memorable it was, anyway, right? It was so. very memorable. Yep. Ken always made things very memorable. So it was, was it? Good. In this final clip, we once again remember our fallen classmate, Bill Hecker, who was killed in action. This time with Chris Smith, his company mate, who talks about what Bill was like as a cadet. You like your your company, you know. I think there's a special bond and closeness you guys have just because you know the four years at West Point, but also you guys have had some some you know you you've got our one and only and hopefully one and only ever person killed in action uh, of of your yeah. company mates, Bill Hecker. And um, yeah. so tell me tell me a little bit about your experiences with him as a cadet, and you know, and and what it was like to to learn of his passing. Yeah. So, you know, Bill, Bill was the best, right? And it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, so when we were cadets, um, you know, I remember him as a, you know, a plebe all the way through senior year. Uh, so, you know, Bill kind of stuck out. Like he was kind of this funny looking kid when we were a plebe, but like he attracted, like he was one of those guys who attracted lots of attention. Um, and then when we became, you know, when we were cows, uh, cause you know, our, our you know, we had a pretty laid back company. Um, you know, somebody had to step it up and, you know, play the role of, of, of running our plebes. And, and Bill was one of the guys who, who was, who was that guy. Right. Um, and, you know, at the time I remember thinking, well, you know, here was a guy like who, 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 who attracted a lot of attention as a plebe and is, is kind of paying it forward. But, you know, the, the thing about Bill that I, I realized later, you know, particularly when we came back to our, our tenure and then afterwards, you know, you know, after he was, after his kill was like, you know, Bill was just a guy who took things kind of more seriously, but in a way that, that showed that he, he, he cared in a way that a lot of us didn't have that same level of maturity when we were, when we were cadets, which I, you know, I didn't really appreciate that at the time, but, um, you know, the, you know, Bill was, you know, so Bill was a guy who kind of grinded it, through kind of academically, like he kind of made it to the finish, to the finish line. He was, he was some kind of engineering major, but then when he got out into the army, he ended up going back to grad school in English and that was his calling, right? Um, he, he published a book on Edgar Allan Poe. Um, and if, if you would have told me when we were cadets that Bill Hecker was going to actually write a book, I mean, not read a book, but like write one, um, I'd be like, like Bill who, mm-hmm. but this, you know, like he found his, he found his, his calling when he got into the army. Uh, cause you know, he was just, you know, he, and I never served with him, but, uh, you know, it's just where his reputation was, he was just terrific, uh, with, with soldiers. Um, he was like, a, you know, physical specimen, a runner, um, you know, found his real niche academically. We'd, we'd be, so when we came back for our tenure, 
uh, he was at the academy. He was he was a professor, and just watching him, you know, with his wife and with his you know with his kids, and and just kind of seeing the person that that he that he had turned into. And again, this is you know you know he was a captain, and we were ten years out, and you know this was before he you know before he was he was killed in action as a major. Um, but it you know see that that's that's the time I really think back on now when I think back on, on Bill, like just seeing right. the, seeing this incredible person that he that he turned into. Because he was at and our then, he was at our ten year reunion. I think he was at West Point at that time. Where is that? Is that what you're thinking of? Was that, that was the time? Was that yeah. the ten year reunion? And he was back at West Point. His kids were there. Yeah, he was, yeah. Because we we all went to his house. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he kind of hosted us and, um, you know, just, a just a terrific guy. And then, you know, when, when he was, uh, he was a, a old four when he was killed mm-hmm. and, you know, he was, he was, you know, he was the one, you know, he's our one classmate we've lost in, in action. And, um, uh, you know, that was, you know, that was a, you know, that was, that was a, you know, first a real surprise for us, but, but also, um, kind of made us. I think we appreciate all of our relationships as we, we thought about Bill and what he meant, what he meant to us. How did you find? Thanks very much, everybody. Uh, thanks for everything and duty shall be done. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the duty shall be done. Old grad podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the duty shall be done. Old grad podcast.